Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. My name is Matt Gall, joined here by head coach of the Briarcliff Basketball Program, Marks Figuera, up here in his office in the Newman Flanagan Center, overlooking Ray Naki Court. And uh, coach, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I got no complaints, Matt. You know, I think my, my thoughts on Thanksgiving from a food standpoint are well documented and we don't need to go back into that, but it's always good to see some family over Thanksgiving. Did you get out and do any Black Friday shopping? Is that something you take part in? That's not something I partake in. I I spent that day watching football, and I have no desire whatsoever to be a Black Friday shopper. I I don't like big crowds like that. Not worth it to me. We drove by Walmart. I think it was 7 o'clock Thanksgiving night, and uh, the, the whole parking lot was packed. Cars were waiting to get into the lot. Cars were trying to get out. It was just... It was unreal. Uh, I don't know why you'd put yourself through I that. I got no time for that. Yeah, no, I hear you. So let's get into things here. Uh, you guys had one game last week because of the abbreviated week due to the holiday. Uh, the game that was scheduled against Dakota Wesleyan for last Tuesday was moved up to Monday due to uh, some impending weather. So that was uh, a little bit of, I guess, a, a last-minute change or a wrench that was thrown in to the schedule. Uh, and so you guys had that corn – so you guys had that game up at the Corn Palace a day sooner than you expected. And uh, as has kind of been the trend the last few games, you know, you played Dakota Wesleyan pretty tough, pretty close that first half, and then things just kind of got away in the second half. Final score of that game was 88-73. to 73. Uh, Coach, what, what do you think kind of told the tale in that second half that allowed them to, to get the best of you? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit, Matt, because, you know, you mentioned we had to change the day and time of that game and – as we recorded last week's podcast, um, Coach Wilbur and I had already started talking about some potential contingency plans because the weather for Tuesday did not look good in, in Sioux City or Mitchell or anywhere in between. And so we started coming up with some ideas, and, and a couple of that we thought were pretty good weren't going to work. you know. And when you're talking about this, you have to talk about the men's coaching staffs, the women's coaching staffs, the, the ADs playing at Dakota Wesleyan, the availability of the Corn Palace. There's a lot of moving parts involved. And, and as we really got into it on Monday morning, it just wasn't looking good. Our, our alternatives were, you know, there was one option where we were going to have to play six games in about a 12, 13-day span in January, and I just didn't think that was going to be good for us. You know, that's really putting our team in a, in a tough spot in that part of the season. And so – the idea got thrown out there around 11 o'clock Monday morning. You know, what if we played it tonight? And when the initial, holy crap, we haven't, we haven't practiced, we haven't done a scouting report yet, when that wears off, it actually did make a lot of sense. And, and so amongst all of us involved, we kind of came to a consensus and we worked together to move those game times back just a little bit to give both us and our women's teams a little more time to travel. But it worked out, and, you know, I, I don't regret doing that for a second. I think in the long-term big picture of everything, it was still the right thing to do, you know, because that, that no practice, no scouting report, we were all in that same boat. You know, we ended up doing about a half-hour shoot-around and scouting report before we left. And, you know, to talk about the game, you know, I, I first, I don't think the final score is completely indicative of how that game went. Um, it got away from us late. You know, but that was a four-point game with about four minutes to go, and and we didn't we just didn't score down the stretch, and they hit a couple big shots. But I I really thought for the vast majority of 40 minutes, our guys really competed at a high level, and like a couple other times now in a row, I think what really doomed us was the start of the second half, and that's something that you know it's I think at three point three times in a row it becomes a trend. And it's something that, that we're going to address. I don't know exactly what the solution is to that, but we need to be better coming out of the second half. And if that means changing something with our halftime routine, then we need to do it because that's I, – I really think three games in a row, that's really hurt us. You know, all three of those games we've lost now, it's been the same situation. Come out of half, down one or three in all three of those games. And within two minutes, I'm taking a timeout because all of a sudden we're down double figures already. And, and that's just not – a good recipe obviously and you know I, I thought we did a good job as, as funny as it sounds on Ty Hoagland he scored 36 points and that probably sounds crazy but I thought our guys did a pretty good job on him you know he, he scored a lot of points from the foul line all in all I think we made things tough for him it's just he's a really good player 
you know, and, and so the, the the bottom line is right now that's three straight losses, and it's it's not some massive overhaul of what we're doing that needs to change, and there's there's no magic wand to flip the script on what's happening, but we need to be a little bit better in, in a couple of areas, and that's been a focus here. We came back yesterday, which is Saturday, and, and started practicing, and, and we're going to have four practices here before our next game, which is going to be a really good thing for us, but uh, you know, I, I told the guys in the locker room after the DW loss, and I told him again yesterday, because watching the film and, and seeing some things really emphasized it, we're really, really close. Now, close isn't good enough, but we're really close. And we just have to find a way to, to, to get over that hump right now. So let's talk about that slump. And, you know, as a, as a fan, I can say this because I'm a fan. You can't because you're a coach. But we talk about how tough the conference is, and that's absolutely true. But, you know, usually you can – pick a few spots again speaking for myself as a fan where there's a game or two where you're thinking okay well here's a chance for maybe things to get back on track uh we've lost three in a row um and with everything that's in front of us you guys are absolutely gonna have to earn your way out of this slump because uh this wednesday you've got a, a very formidable opponent a very uh historical rival briarcliff in northwestern college coming to town um and you know they they've been doing some good things this year already too and then Saturday, you travel over to Morningside, who's a top five team in the NAIA. So, like I said, it, there's, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything in the foreseeable future where it's like, okay, well, maybe here's a game where we can fine tune some things and and try some things like maybe you did early in the season. Uh, you're going to absolutely have to earn your way out of this. So let's start with Northwestern. What are you expecting to see? I, I think you you kind of get the same things out of a Corver coach team. Uh, big, tough, fast. Uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes, but what are you seeing out of this year's edition? Yeah, Northwestern has a good team. It's, you know, in a lot of ways similar to playing against ourselves. We actually we run some, some pretty similar offensive concepts and actions. They have a couple of really good guards who can really score it. They shoot the ball really well. So it's, it's going to be a lot like preparing to play ourselves, and, and there's good and there's bad that comes along with that because sometimes – you you can overthink things and you can underthink things and even though we're similar we're not the same and so it's not just going to be like guarding everything we do so we have to make sure that we're dialed in to to the game plan and and how we want to defend certain things that they run but uh you know it's it's a big week in terms of two pretty big rivalry games for us you know i, I think if if you talk to people who've been around the program for a long time and ask who's briarcliff's biggest rival you know, one of the two teams we play this week is going to come out of their mouths, and, and I think that makes it really fun. And, you know, being at home Wednesday, which, you know, you think about it, this is our 11th game, and we've been playing games for five, six weeks now, and this is only our third home game on Wednesday. So it's going to be nice to be back home again. And then on Saturday, going over to Morningside, we don't have to leave town. And, and as you know, we're always going to have a big crowd when we play over there, and that makes it fun. But, you know, right now, especially – as we get back to practice, our focus is really on ourselves. And there's a couple things we need to clean up, a couple things we need to be better at, a couple small tweaks and changes we're going to make. And that's really the focus right now. So Wednesday night, December 4th, uh, it'll be here at the Newman Flanagan Center, 8 o'clock. Men will play, women will play at 6. Uh, and then on Saturday the 7th over at Morningside, that game's listed as 4 o'clock on the schedule, Coach. But my understanding is with uh, – them having a football playoff game that's been pushed back to six is that correct that is correct we're we're gonna play um saturday's doubleheader at four and six women at four us at six instead of the standard two and four and that's just something morningside had asked us to do that and kind of knew it was coming if they won their football game over the weekend which they did and you know at the end of the day it's not a huge deal what's two hours on a saturday so yeah that game will be at six and you know, like I, like I said, it's such a fun game when we play Morningside, and it's it's obviously a, a big rivalry. It's a heated rivalry. Both teams want to win. It's, I think it's still a respectful rivalry, um, but it's, it's really fun to play in, and it's, it's a unique one. And I know I've said this before, but there's not a lot of places in the country in small college basketball where you have two pretty successful programs in the same city and what makes the rivalry really unique is that there's never a full-on home court advantage, in my opinion. You know, if we play here, they're going to bring a ton of people. And when we play over there, like Saturday, we're going to bring a ton of people, and it's going to be a pretty split crowd, and I think that makes it really fun. And I, I think that 
is a testament to Sioux City and, and the love of basketball here and also the level of basketball that's being played in town. You know, Morningside, I think they're number two in the country right now. I mean, they're really good. They're big. They're physical. They really guard. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of film yet. It's, you know, as that's two games away still for us. But, you know, we've played a couple common opponents and seen them on film, and, and they're really good. You know, they, they have one of the elite players in the league in Tyler Borchers, and, and he, he's been a load for us to deal with in the post. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a plan for that and, and, and everything else and just remind the guys when Wednesday's over, you, you, I think sometimes you get lost in the, oh, we have a game, we need to do this, we need to do that. Sometimes you got to remember you, you need to enjoy these games, these rivalry games where you're going to play in front of huge crowds and there's going to be some tense moments and it's going to be hostile. That's pretty fun. You know, and not everybody gets that. So in the moment, you have to remember, let's have some fun, too. So going back to that skid, not to dwell on it too much, but I think, you know, in any good or bad situation, there's going to be things to take out of it. And I don't know. I, I didn't look it up, but, you know, we've this program's been pretty successful. I don't know how many three-game losing skids we've had in the last five, ten years, but it probably hasn't been very many. No, I and I, I'd have to check this. I think off the top of my head it's probably been five years since it's happened and you know it is what it is it's and, and you know like we tell our guys there's nothing we can do about it now like we can't go back and change it the games are over they, they've been lost the best thing we can do is is try to fix some things that are hurting us and and be ready for the next one because you if, if you end up dwelling on it or looking back at this game or that game or this play or that play it's going to cost you the next one, and that, that's what we can't do. It, it needs to be about us being at our best and, and fixing a couple things and just being ready to go for the next one. What have you noticed about the response, especially from some of the older guys who you look to to step up as, as leaders? Uh, what has been the response? I know you haven't really had too much for practice since the Dakota Wesleyan game, but you know, what do you expect to see, I guess, out of your guys after some adversity like this? Well, you know, naturally there's frustration you know we have we have a really competitive group like i think most people do but it it it's been good you know guys are ready to ready and willing to to make the those small changes we need to make guys are coming back with positive attitudes and and all those things win or lose need to remain constant you know guys that are playing unselfish basketball the great teammates they're coachable and that hasn't changed at all and so we need that to continue, and you know, the only the only way to to overcome a slump is is to to do the best you can, play the best you can, and and hopefully win a game because it's amazing what what one game can do if if you can get that one and end it. I think from a confidence standpoint, but guys guys are guys are good, you know. I and I think I think players are probably uh, in fact I know players are a lot more resilient than we give them credit for as coaches sometimes. You know, and, and as coaches, we probably overthink things and, and look into things too much when when players don't as much. So our, our guys are doing a good job, and, you know, there's no doubt in my mind we're going to bounce out of this. So, again, reminder, uh, this Wednesday, the 4th, here at the Newman Flanagan Center on the campus of Briar Cliff, Northwestern will come to town. Women will play at 6, men will play at 8. And then on Saturday the 7th, over at Morningside, women will play at 4, men will play at 6. So, again, make sure you uh, – Make sure you're, you show up for those games at 4 and 6 because I, I know as of right now, uh, the schedule hasn't been updated on the website. So with that, uh, we're going to turn our attention now to a, a special guest that we have with us today. And uh, that guest is somebody who we've talked about on the podcast before. His name comes up a lot, whether he's submitting a listener question or somebody else is talking about his legacy here at the Cliff. And uh, Corey Hobbs, you come from a long line of legendary student coaches in this program. Um, you know, like I said, your name comes up a lot around here. What did it mean to you when you finally got that text from Coach that he wanted to have you on the podcast? Well, it's something I guess I wouldn't say that I've bugged him a lot about. But I've mentioned it, especially since uh, Jake Bill got to be on, that I should probably get on sometime too. And uh, so when I got that text today asking me if uh, he wanted me to be on the podcast, I was pretty excited not only because I got to be on, but also like I was in town so I could just swing by the office here and do it live instead of over the phone, I think, get the full experience out of it. Well, a couple things, Corey. Number one, you get a quick shout-out, pre-shout-out section for bringing food in. 
you know that's just kind of a, a tradition live guests have have started here and Corey also brought the best pizza in sioux city from jerry's to the podcast today so shout out for that second part you know i think you've definitely been bugging me about being on the podcast and a little over a week ago we saw each other at, at one of our former players weddings and you cornered me and asked me when you were coming on the podcast because allegedly I'd promised you that you could come on the podcast sometime. So I think definitely you've been bugging me about it. All right, whatever. I guess you could say that in a sense. But, uh, you know, you did promise me it was before the podcast even started. I remember you gave me a call one night and said that uh, they're putting a podcast together and that I'd have to be one of the guests. So I've just been kind of waiting on the edge of my seat since it all started and been waiting my turn. So how much did you read into the fact that Jake Bilt was on the podcast before you were? I know there's a there's a bit of a friendly rivalry there and some, some blog posts that happened a few years back and, and you guys having your bickering match about who was a better student coach. So, I mean, did that bother you? Did it upset you? What did you think about that? Uh... To be to say I was upset might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I did uh, feel a little bit of I, I don't know jealousy. I guess you could say uh, toward Bill that he he got on so early in it and stuff. But I can imagine that he was probably bugging you a little bit to get on too. But I'll probably just keep it there with that. You know, not to not to put pressure on you as we record this, but that's. I think still one of the top three most listened to episodes of the BC Buckets podcast. So like right now, if you don't beat that, there's a potential for a blog post from Bill to, to further his case. So ju- that's just a heads up FYI, not to make you nervous, not to put you on the spot, but at the same time, it, it kind of is to make you nervous and put you on the spot. Yeah. I mean, uh, but if I get more listens than Bill, then I'll maybe just have to update the old blog post from a few years ago. Fair enough. Yep. So, Corey, you've been out for a few years. When did you graduate? Uh, 2017. All right. So what have you been up to since then? Uh, I currently live in State Center, Iowa, home of uh, the Shipley clan. Uh, and I teach fifth grade there, and I'm assistant basketball coach. So uh, old Dave Shipley, getting to work with him, he's the athletic director there. So uh, good family to be around. Kind of got the hook up there. Already knew some people. A lot of Packers fans. Did I catch before uh, before we started recording that you guys have a game up uh, up in uh, Iowa Falls against one of Briarcliff's own Michael Collison? Yeah, we uh, open up our regular season on Tuesday up in Iowa Falls. Uh, Going to be fun to coach against uh, one of my friends, Mike. He does a good job up there. I like a lot of the stuff that he does, and I get to uh, get officiated by my dad and his crew, which is pretty cool too. You know, kind of everything comes full circle a little bit. So do you know how to get in Collison's head? Is that an advantage you think you'll have? Is, is that something you can, you know, you can kind of read the psychology into it and figure out what his tendencies are? Where do you, you know, play two steps ahead of him, I guess? Uh, he's a pretty level-headed dude. Probably be tough to get into his head. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, Corey, I, I've never watched you coach. I'm going to guess you're v- fairly excitable as an assistant coach on the sideline. True or false? Very true, very true. Okay, so your dad, one of the most respected and well-known officials in the state of Iowa, is he going to cut you some slack because you're his son, or is he going to give you the sit down and shut up the first time you stand up and say something to the officials? I, I think we all know what I'm hoping for, but what do you think about that? Um, you know, I kind of hope that he doesn't give me anything because I don't want that to kind of loom over everything. I know – that's something that people are probably going to be thinking about a little bit. Uh, I am pretty excitable when I'm coaching my games, but I don't usually do anything to get at the officials because, I mean, I grew up with my dad being official. I know how hard that is. So I try to I try to stick on their good side for the most part. So hopefully they try to take it a little easy on me and, you know, don't give me that stuff. 
Well, and hopefully Coach Collison can keep it professional too. And if something's not going his way or calls aren't going his way, you know, I, I tend to think he'll probably jump right towards the family angle. But, uh, Michael, preemptively, you're better than that. So whatever happens Tuesday night uh, it was probably meant to happen. And, and like some of our uh, fans say, the ball don't lie. So, Corey, uh, like Coach said, you brought in some Jerry's pizza today, uh, which is greatly appreciated. You know, like, like Coach, I think Jay Wright brought in a bunch of Sneakies uh, chicken and ribs and some other things, some wings. I'm trying to think what other food we've had on the podcast, Coach. Well, Dylan Janacek and Josh Belling brought in uh, Mexican food. Yep. Michael Collison brought in Casey's Pizza and Donuts. That's right. Speaking of Mike. Um, and now Corey brought in Jerry's Pizza. I think that's it. You know, so the bar has been set pretty high. So anybody that listens to this that I asked to be an in-person guest, just know that there's an expectation from Matt and I at this point and probably going to be disappointed if you don't bring anything in. So, Corey, is, is Jerry's just one of your go-tos? Is that, is, is, that your go, is that why you brought that to us today? Because so, you know we ask about food on this thing. So was uh, that just your way of kind of giving us your answer ahead of time? Or, or what, what is it about Jerry's that makes it one of your top go-tos? Well, like Coach Figuera, I consider myself a pretty big foodie. Uh, I, like, I like to cook. I like to, you know, just eat a lot of different things. And pizza is one of my favorite foods in the whole world. I can consider myself a pizza expert. And Jerry's is a staple of pizza, in, especially on this side of town, but in the entire city of Sioux City. And uh, I just felt like that was kind of an easy grab and to make sure that we had some quality grub in here. So, you know, I just had to start the trend back up of guests bringing in food because that's got to be a staple of this podcast. You know pizza's good, too, when the pizza makes the bag so greasy you can see right through the paper to see that delicious pie staring you back in the face. That's, I think, a signature of, of Jerry's is that. Uh, yeah, the translucent bag. The translucent, the greasy grease. bag. Nothing better. Nothing better than popping open those staples, pulling that pizza out, getting that crust seasoning all over the place. It's a little bit messy, but, I mean, I'll tell you what, there's nothing better as far as Sioux City pizza goes. All right, Corey, so let's let's talk about your time in the program at Briarcliff and you know, for those who don't know Corey, Corey's from the metropolis of Buffalo Center, Iowa, North Iowa High School. Played on a couple of really good teams. Went to state one time in, um, in his career. And, you know, Corey played on the junior varsity team for us for two years. And then his final two years was a student coach for us. And, you know, all jokes aside, by far one of the elite five or six student coaches we've had in my time at Briarcliff out of seven. Um, no, the, I said I said all jokes aside, Corey, Corey was a stud of a student coach for us. And, you know, like we've talked about this when, when Bobby was on a lot last year and when Jake Bilt was on, one of the prerequisites of being a student coach for us is you're going to take a ton of crap from me. And, and Corey was no exception to that. And, and the last thing I'm going to say about Corey, and I got some questions to ask him about his time in the program, Corey maybe has the biggest 180 from – his personality in the recruiting process to what he ended up being when he was here at Briarcliff because I, I remember when he took his recruiting visit, so we're talking way back probably the fall of 2012, and I don't think Corey said two words the whole time. And I remember thinking, man, his, his dad talked a lot, and Corey's dad's a great dude, and he was really excited about the visit and this and that, and I, I was like, man, maybe we should just recruit his dad because he <laughs> seems like a good fit for our program. Corey didn't say anything. Um, and then as he got here and, and, and got comfortable in the program, that's not who he is at all. But, uh, Corey, you want to talk about your time in the program? You know, what you thought, highlights, big memories, anything like that? Uh, honestly, there's too many memories to, to count. Uh, but, you know, being a part of a program like this was honestly one of the best experiences in my entire life. Just, you know, coming out of high school and stuff, you really don't understand what goes on at the college level especially at a level like this and to come it's kind of a smack in the face when you first show up on campus and i was like you know i was usually one of the top you know two three best players on the court at all times in high school but then i came here and i kind of got that feeling like wow i, I kind of suck <laughs> and uh you know just kind of learning the ethic of working all the time and how much it actually takes to be successful you see it in so many guys here our coaches have uh really established a culture 
of guys who are willing to do whatever it takes to reach that next level. Uh, I just think back to summer after my freshman year, I think the year before there were only a couple of guys that stayed for the summer and that summer after our freshman year, we all kind of got together and decided like, we're going to stick this out together. We're going to stay here for the summer and put in that extra work. And it's kind of a tradition that's carried on since then. Uh, and I think it's led to a lot of good things in the program. And also just kind of having that team culture. Uh, there's so many things getting to work under Coach Sviguera and Coach Nelson, Coach Schultz, and all those people that learn, learn so much uh, about a lot more than just how to play basketball. And a lot of the things I constantly make references back to in my own coaching experiences, uh, using things that I've seen work, uh, trying out new things, and a lot of that carryover stuff from when I essentially was a sponge for two years, or even for four years, I was just a sponge just trying to absorb as much information as I could. And a lot of that stuff has uh, helped carry over into what I do now when I work with my high schoolers that I do, and even into the classroom teaching fifth graders sometimes. Uh, as far as memories, uh, basketball games, everybody says the same thing, like, oh, conference championship here against Nebraska Wesleyan. Just, I think that entire conference tournament was just crazy. We fell behind a couple times. We're behind against Midland in the semis. Uh, Midland had a really good team that year, came back and won that one, and then doing the same thing in front of easily the most crazy crowd I've ever experienced at this level or even at a lot of bigger levels as well. Uh, so that game always sticks out. I think of that same year, or maybe it was, in, yeah, it was the next year. We were playing at Hastings. Uh, we win, we're conference champs. And Svigera had his buddies down there that they were gonna go and get some breakfast at about 6 a.m., get it all in before shoot around and stuff. And Svigera's back at the hotel, and he is just jittering after he gets back from breakfast. We're like, dude, what is going on with you, Coach Svigera? He's like, I've had like eight cups of coffee. He was on one. Yeah, higher than that even. And it, he was just slamming the coffee that morning. And we drove to Hastings Gym, showed up there, and everybody's putting their shoes on, getting ready for a shoot-around. And I kid you not, Svigera, with a basketball, launches up a three, sprints down the rebound, sprints to the other end of the court, is launching threes back and forth on each end of the court. And he was just drenched in sweat before the shoot-around even started because he was, if it's possible, he was probably pretty close to caffeine overdose. And that that's something that sticks with me forever. And, I mean, it helped because having a coach that just really brings the energy, like he brought it that day and he brought it a lot. And – Stuff like that actually just helps get a team going. If you see a coach that's, like, really passionate and uh, willing to bring that kind of uh, intensity and energy, like, that carries over to the players. And, you know, I think that means a lot. So I need to speak to this. This has been brought up before, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different thoughts and numbers being thrown out there about how much coffee I drank that morning. I will admit it was a lot, and I think what I actually remember the, the most about that was after shoot-around, we got back to the hotel, and I walked straight to the coffee in the, in the breakfast room, <laughs> and I got another cup of coffee, and I'll never forget, because Shane Graves and Austin Holman walked in together, and they just both looked at me, and I think it was Austin that said, really, coach, another one? <laughs> so, yeah, that was a good one. Um, but they w we'll just leave it to your imagination how many cups of coffee I actually drank that morning. So here, here's a question for you, Corey. You played in the same high school conference as former player and now grad assistant Eric Erdman, and I'm pretty sure you got the better of him more often than not. What was your career record against uh, Coach Erdman? So I do remember my junior year. Uh, it would have been Eric's freshman year. Kind of all this talk about this freshman from – for City and what he could do. Didn't really think much of it. And then he came off the bench. Four City had a good team that year. And 
he came off the bench and scored, uh, I think, 16, uh, 16 points at our place. And we got him there. We beat him uh, at Forest City that year as well. I, th- I think I ended up 3-1 and one against him in, in two years. And, you know, he'll – He'll try to throw out a bunch of excuses about his sophomore year and how when we played there he was uh, he was sick and he wasn't feeling very well, so he underperformed. Well, we were without one of our best guys to that game and uh, we got we got him in that one and so three and one I think was my career record against him. So Coach Erdman told me a story about a local newscaster that had a certain nickname for you. Um, Mr. Smooth, if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got a nickname from one of the guys on the local news. He called me Mr. Smooth, and I can honestly say not a huge fan of that nickname, especially <laughs> if uh, anybody's seen me play basketball or even do anything. I'm not necessarily smooth at all. Yeah, it obviously didn't stick because I didn't know about that. Eric told me about that within the last couple of weeks. So, Mr. Smooth did not stick for Corey Hobbs. Corey, thinking about the guys you played with here, the guys you coached here, uh, if if one of those guys were to somehow go back in time and be a fifth grader and that person walked in your class as a teacher, which one would make you just quit right there on the spot? Like, I'm not even going to deal with this. Um. I've heard some stories about uh, Shane Graves making things miserable for his his teachers when he was younger, but honestly, if we're basing it off of a person right now, it's Jordan Comstock, and that's not a question. That that kid would make me want to rip my hair out. I bet if he, if I had to teach him and deal with him for eight hours straight every day. No offense to you, Comstock, if you listen to this, but seriously. <laughs> well, I do know Jordan does listen regularly. And he wasn't thrilled the last time he got called out on this podcast. And, and now here it comes again, you know. So I think we're going to have to have Jordan on some time to defend himself. Because that, Forbes called him out. You called him out. You know, I think Jayco is getting a bad rap in the class of 2017. So, Corey, you touched on this a little bit. But what what are the – I mean, what are some of the things that you took out of the cliff in your experience here that you were able to, to immediately start implementing with your high school team? Uh, so first of all, I kind of, uh, fell in love with the style of play here. I, I just love the concept of having the floor spread all the time. Kind of that you'd say golden state warriors in a way where if you can get to the rim one time off the dribble or get that ball in the paint, it kind of just sets a whirlwind of motions, you know, driving, kicking extra passes all over the place. And shooting the ball well from behind the arc. So I really like to uh, try to run a lot of stuff like that and try to implement a lot of those concepts, hard cuts, uh, quick ball movement, things like that. Uh, So that's one thing that I really take out. And another one that I really take is, uh, like Spaghera, like I talked about earlier, bringing the energy. I, I have a job not only as a coach but as a teacher where if I don't bring the energy and I don't act like I want to be there, then the people that and kids that I'm working with, they don't want to be there any more than I do. So I try to build that culture of like, you guys are so privileged. You get to play the best game in the world. You get to play basketball. And, you know, some of us that are retired, we wish that we could go back and, you know, go through those struggles and do those same things that they get to do on a daily basis. Uh, wish we could do that again. Um, but one last thing that I really uh, – kind of took with me was just uh trying to get the kids to have a genuine love for being around each other because I think that's something that set our teams apart from a lot of different teams at any level of basketball is just the genuine love for each other really caring and it lets you bring that bring your intensity to a new level when you know that you're not just playing for yourself you're playing for all your best all your best friends essentially and it trying to get stuff like that all right so we're gonna we're gonna change directions here a little bit Corey and I think you maybe got messed with by me and took more crap from me than any any student coach we've had and you know that was really in the kind of the 
the heyday of my assistant coaching. You know, it was my last two years as an assistant. We won the conference both years. Things were kind of rolling along. So I had a little extra time on my hands to mess with you. A um, couple stories I'm going to tell. Number one, I hid your keys one day in the storage room. And it was like the, the worst hiding spot ever, in plain sight, and you couldn't find them. And you had to give a ride home to all your, your teammates slash roommates, which would have been probably Graves, Forbes, Comstock, and Leffler. And you couldn't find your keys. Well, I was in a meeting immediately after practice, and you couldn't get a hold of me. Do you remember this at all? Yeah, I remember it vividly. I don't know if I've been that angry at you that you just that you didn't even tell me where they were, and then you just dipped out real quick. Do you remember where they were that day? I can't specifically remember, but I want to say they're, they're on one of the shelves, uh, maybe hanging over the edge of a box or something. You're close. They were on one of the shelves in one of the water bottle holders. We have, we have Gatorade water bottle holders. They hold six bottles. They were inside in plain sight. You could see the, the key fob for your truck, and you just failed to see that. So another thing, you're one in a long line now of student coaches who can't seem to f crack the code on how to win a certain shoot-around free-throw game we have. So do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, I never won the box. Uh, and for, you know, bragging about how good of a shooter I can be, kind of kind of a blimp on that uh, asterisk on my shooting woes. But, you know, the box was Saturday morning shoot-around uh, free throw contest. And this is where, you know, Sviguera in his heyday of messing with me, he used to really really make it miserable for me as in every single person on the team could do anything to mess me up when I was up there they could do absolutely anything but if I said a word suspended if I did anything to mess with anybody anybody else suspended uh if I didn't play the right songs it's suspended probably yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> come on Hobbs Play the right songs. There's only two songs that get played songs. during the box game. Man in the Box by Alice in Chains and two different renditions of, of the, the boxer. boxer. Simon and Garfunkel and Mumford and Sons. That's it. So, like, if you screw that up, you deserve to be suspended. And, honestly, it just – it was it was pretty much a load of crap. And I would get so mad. And if I ever said anything about getting suspended, then I was suspended for even longer. And I think I still to this day have – uh, the longest suspend suspension of uh, any person in the box. It was well. It was a long time. It was a couple weeks, maybe even a month. Yeah, Jared Betts had about a six-weeker as a senior, and Will Johnson's going on about a month right now. So it's it. I think I probably tightened up the suspensions and warnings in the box. And I also think Corey, you probably have a little bit of a complex about this whole thing. You know, at the end of the day, you still never won. And I will admit. The biggest way I ever messed with you in, in the box free throw game was I intentionally tried to sabotage everybody so Jared Mao could win. So we could <laughs> hold it over you that your co student coaching counterpart won and you didn't. And what happened was, if you remember this, we were in Chicago and it was down to Mao and Forbes. They were the last two left. And I said, you have to shoot left-handed. Mao's left-handed, <laughs> Forbes is not. And Forbes still beat him. <laughs> so that was the biggest way I ever messed with you during the box. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, you know, Mao doesn't have the silkiest jump shot, so that'll that'll probably hang over his head, but it'll hang over mine a lot more. All right, so one last thing, and this is, you know, it's going to be at your expense, Corey, but for, for all the great things you did as a student coach, getting deals at restaurants was sometimes hit or miss with you, and I've got a story to tell here. Yeah, I know you do. This was, this, it was your junior year, going to Mount Marty, and we were traveling with the women that year. So what we would do is we'd get dropped off to eat somewhere. The women would get taken to the gym. And the, the, the bus would then come back, pick us up, and we'd get to the gym for a started women's game, whatever. Well, we went to Subway in, in Yankton. And on the way up there, I think I sent Corey a text. He was in the back of the bus. I was in the front. And just asked, hey, are we good to go? You know, the subway ready for us, whatever. Because there's nothing worse than getting to a subway and there's one person working trying to make sandwiches for 20-some people. And so he texted me and said, yeah, coach, but unfortunately they won't give us a deal. 
which is a prerequisite of anywhere we go. And there were, there's not a ton of options in Yankton. It was Subway or nothing probably. So we were going to go there anyway. And But the kicker to this whole story was he said they're not going to give us a deal. And then he said, and I quote, I even tried flirting with her. <laughs> and so I got, a, I got a laugh out of that. <laughs> and I walk into the subway when we get there. And I was the first one off the bus. I walked right in. I said, hey, you know, is there any way you can help us out here or give us some kind of a deal? And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll give 10% off and coaches free. And, and so I've been giving Corey a hard time about that ever since. So that is flirting didn't work that day. Well, you know, I'm usually a pretty smooth talker when it comes to those things. Mr. And smooth, right? Yeah, Mr. Smooth. And uh, I think I did a solid job getting deals for the most part. That day was just, you know, way off because normally you can't get a deal if, you know, you sweet talk them a little bit, act, act like you care act like you care about them and this lady was not having it when I was on the phone I went through my usual spiel and she was not budging and I said all right whatever and then obviously Sfigera must have dealt with somebody that was in a little better mood than that lady that day and so I'll admit I messed up that day but other, other than that I thought I was pretty solid getting deals so, Corey, before we uh, wrap things up here in a minute, uh, I, I know you listen to the podcast, so I, I, I think once I start talking about this, you know where I'm going to go. But we were talking a few weeks ago about during uh, homecoming next year, during the alumni game, having a three-point contest among uh, student coaches, former and current, I suppose. So can I get you on the record here on the podcast that you will commit to participating in the very first student coach three-point contest? As long as uh, I'm not in a wedding or anything that day, like this year, I will participate. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot with that. I want your power rankings, top four. Who are the top four seeds in this three-point shootout? Uh, in any order or just? No, one through four. Okay. Well, of all the guys that I know, uh, you know, that might show up, there's got to be me, number one. Uh, I'd probably gonna put if if uh, Spencer if Spencer were here for that he'd probably be uh, number two, uh, Ethan number three, and let's see, Dom Schwader number four probably. That that's a pretty nasty bunch right there. So out of anybody else, is there a dark horse who could work their way into that top four? All right. Uh, honestly, built built a decent set shooter. Uh. So I could see him maybe not winning, but I could see him creeping up a little bit on some on some people. So there you go. If if you're one of Corey's buddies, don't schedule a wedding for homecoming weekend next year because uh, we need him to get this thing going. You know, and I think if this happens, this is this is kind of a plea to all the student coaches because I know a lot of you guys listen to this. I think Matt and I would live podcast that. You know, Matt would Matt would be the play by play, and I do the color commentary or vice versa. Whatever it would be, but I think that'd be a great bonus episode. You know, say, hey, oh man, Jake built to the fourth rack. His endurance is is struggling here. Or Corey's got to get out of his own head. He's got to start making some shots. He needs to make this money ball here. Um, so if if that helps get you here, let's let's do it. That sounds like a plan to me. That sounds like a lot of fun. I don't. I'm I'm starting to get some ideas here. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm thinking maybe we blow this thing up into like a whole skills competition or or something like that and put all their skills. I to think the we're I think we're giving a little too much credit to uh, the skills <laughs> that are going to be involved here. All right, we'll um, keep it not, a skill. Not everybody, but let's just let's let's start with three point contest and see where it goes. All right, well, uh, Corey, thanks for coming on. It was great to have you. You know, like I said, you you've you've been a regular on the podcast, even though you haven't uh, actually been on it, just in in spirit and in name. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on, and, and we certainly wish you well with your teaching gig, with your season upcoming. Uh, like you said, you, you start games here pretty soon. So thanks for coming on. Any any last parting words before we uh, before we move on here? Uh, yeah, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on. Uh, kind of a dream come true for me, I guess, being a guy who listens to a bunch of podcasts and stuff. Uh, parting words, uh, battle on, rave on, baby. All right, so coach, let's uh, let's turn it over to you now, so you can share one of your uh, coach Figueroa's life rules. Yeah, so this is dealing with snow and weather and 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 all those things we're dealing with now. 
don't be the person that takes off out of your driveway before you can see through your windshield. I saw somebody do that. You know, scrape it for an extra 30 seconds. Let the defrost kick in for an extra 30 seconds. Is that elitist, Matt? I know sometimes you think I'm elitist when it comes to car stuff. You know, I have a defroster. But <laughs> if, you, uh, if you don't have a defroster at this point, it's time to go trade that thing in. So, you know, it's, it's dangerous. You're putting yourself and everybody else at risk. Just take the extra 30 seconds, scrape your windshield, let the defrost kick in, and, and then let's roll. Perfect. So uh, I got a couple champs or chumps for you, and then we'll, we'll get into a very special edition of our listener question section. Uh, but for champs or chumps this year, you know, I, I mentioned we had Black Friday just this last weekend. So a lot of people are starting to, uh, to line up Christmas gifts and that sort of thing for their loved ones and friends, et cetera. So I'm going to ask you some uh, Christmas gift-related champ or chump questions. And like we talked about, I know I know you've been asked to keep this to 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 just one word. So I'd love to hear you expound on these, but but uh, we're gonna we're gonna honor our fans' wishes, and it'll just be a champ or a chump. So the first one is participating in an office secret Santa. Chump. Okay. Corey kind of gave a a little. He's still here. Uh, he gave kind of a little disappointed. Well, side. you know. Corey's one of the two people who really talked me out of expanding on my champ or chump answer, so I'm not even going to think about expanding on that right now, even if Corey wants me to. All right. Uh, giving gift cards instead of gifts. Champ. All right, this isn't a, uh, this isn't a gift one, but uh, this is just a Christmas season one in general. But uh, w wearing an ugly Christmas sweater, not to a party, but out just in public. Chump. All right, there you have it. Two chumps and a champ, and uh, so now we're gonna do our. Now we're can I add one? Yeah, Matt. This week, I have a chump for adults who wear jerseys on game day, especially NFL, especially Green Bay Packer jerseys. I object to that. <laughs> Let it be known that Corey Hobbs is wearing a Green Bay Packers jersey as we record this. <laughs> So uh, we're going to go to our listener questions, and unfortunately, we didn't have anybody send any in, uh, either through Twitter or through email or just through catching us out in public or whatever like that. But we thought, since Corey Hobbs has been such a, a regular participant with our listener question section over the last couple of years, we're going to have our very first live listener question asked just right here on the air so that there, you can't put Coach – on the spot better than than having the question just asked right here and before we do that i just want to remind you we we do enjoy those listener questions so uh make sure you get those sent in on twitter at bc buckets cast or at bc buckets podcast at gmail.com so Corey, we kind of put you on the spot we let we let him know that we didn't have any uh emailed questions this week so we asked him if he could come up with one so Corey, what do you have for us this week all right, this is uh, just kind of off the top of my head, but it should be okay. And, you, yes, you can uh, expand on this because I want you to. Um, what are maybe, like, your number one or number two best basketball games you've ever seen at any level your entire life? Like, ones that really stick out to you. It can be high school games that you've gone to for recruiting, that you've played in college, Maybe NCAA games. What's what are some that really stick out to you, and why? Wow, that's a good one, Corey. And for the sake of the question, and to to narrow it down just a little bit for myself, I'm gonna eliminate any game that I wasn't at live, as a part of, as a spectator, whatever it is. I think the first couple that come to mind, you know, you already brought one up, the 2016 GPAC Tournament Championship game. That was just an awesome game, awesome environment. You know, I think it, it has to, for, for me, it has to start there. Um, when I was a senior in college at Dana, we played a four-overtime game at Morningside. We lost that game 135 to 133, but that's one I, I definitely will always remember. Um, my first year at Briarcliff, we won our first-round national tournament game against Grace. We didn't score the last four and a half minutes of that game. Um, and only gave up two points in that time, and we won by three. And that was really memorable. That was the first time in my, my, bas my college basketball career as a player coach that I played in the national tournament, and, and we won that game. So that was really memorable. I think my junior year of high school, we played in the state tournament, and that first time, as, as you know, you run out on that floor. It's just a surreal experience. 
Um, so I, I'm going to a lot that I've been involved in, but I think I think you'd agree with this too. When you're involved in it, it just it, you're, it's going to stick with you longer. And and so those are my top couple, three or four. And I I think you know selfishly I'd throw in the game we won against Oregon Tech in the national tournament two years ago. You know, that was my first as a head coach, my first game in the national tournament, and and we won that game and had to really battle some adversity a couple different ways, whether it was leading up to the game or in the game. And, and so that one needs to be mentioned too. But but those are the those are the ones that stick out off the top of my head, and that that's a great question. All right, so before we wrap things up here, let's go to our shout-out section. Um, I'll start. Actually, I haven't had very many this year, but I saw one on Twitter. Uh, looks like former head coach and uh, former AD Nick Nelson has uh, – traded in the clipboard for the whistle looks like he's been reffing some high school games so shout out to nick nelson who hopefully isn't getting too much of a taste of karma after letting refs have it all those years i cannot wait for the first game i'm at recruiting where nick nelson is an official usually i try to lay low in those games find a spot off by myself so i can really watch the game but if i'm at a game he's officiating he's going to hear it non-stop from me i will question every single call out loud and in terms of my shout-out, and this – I hate to recycle shout-outs, but this one, it just – it makes sense right now. Shout-out to a lot of our – no, not a lot. Shout-out to all of our alums, you know, and, and in particular for this one, guys that have been here over the last eight, nine years when I've been in the program. And over the last week plus here, I, I've had a chance to see, talk to, be around a lot of them. You know, going to former players' weddings is, is one of my favorite things in the world. And last week I had a chance to do that. Blake Wilchin got married, saw a ton of those guys, Corey being one of them, as we talked about. Um, and then even last week, um, Coach Forbes and I and, and Shane Graves, you know, one of his teammates, went to lunch, did a little bowling. And I think, I think it's probably fair to say that I won that overall. It's definitely a debate between Shane or I. Coach Forbes was by far the, the distant third in that matchup. But, uh, you know, just what they mean to the program, what they've done for the program, the passion and the investment they still have in the program is awesome. It's something that sets Briarcliff apart, and it's really awesome to see that. All right, so there you have it. Just a quick reminder, Briarcliff plays Northwestern this Wednesday, December 4th, here at the Newman Flanagan Center. Women will play at 6, men will play at 8 o'clock. Make sure you get down here. Northwestern always brings a crowd, uh, so we need to fill up our side of the gym to uh, – to keep up with them and then also on saturday we'll play over at morningside uh women will play at four men will play at six over across town on the campus of morningside uh should be another great uh, crosstown rivalry game so to everyone who listens to this thanks for listening we'll catch you again next week